Spirit himself intercedes for us. He intercedes for us when we're weak. I don't know about you, but I can be pretty weak sometimes. He intercedes for us when we don't know how to pray. I don't know about you, but I feel that way sometimes. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us, and he does so according to God's plan. Like, just imagine that. God has a plan for us. In fact, all these things that are going on in the world to get us all kind of all, all worked up, viruses and masks and vaccines and what's right and what's wrong and, rah, you know, America, all that stuff, all that stuff didn't surprise God. You realize that? It didn't surprise God. This is all part of God's plan. We can have hope because God has a plan for us. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Finally, Paul says, we can have hope because God works all things for the good for those who believe in him. Verse 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that we might be the firstborn among, in, sorry, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is the fifth reason. I think it's perhaps one of the most misquoted sections of all scripture, right? You hear this all the time. Well, God works everything for good. Now, let, let's be clear. God works all things for good for those who believe. That is tremendous hope. That is tremendous hope. And why? It is a plan that God ordained to honor his son, to make Jesus Christ preeminent, the firstborn. All things work together to honor Christ. And all things work together for those who believe in Christ. Because God has a plan for us. And believers have been called according to that plan. Paul says that we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. We are justified. Again, acquitted. We are pardoned. We are glorified by God. What does that mean? It's really interesting. Paul wrote that structure, that sentence structure, in the way past tense. In other words, from eternity past, you were predestined to glory. You were predestined to glory. See, God decreed that those who believe in him, those who believe in Jesus Christ, will live in glory with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. And we see here the great doctrine of election. It was the Father's plan that those who believe would bring glory to Jesus Christ, his Son. So Paul answers the question, how shall we then live? Paul says, live with hope. Live a life full of hope. Why do we have this hope? We have hope because there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. 
We have hope because we have been made children of God. We have hope because we are destined for glory. We have hope because the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. And we have hope because God works all things together for our good. We have great reason to have hope no matter what's happening in society around us. God works all things together for our good. So basically from the end of chapter 5, all of 6, 7, and 8, Paul is talking about this idea of why believers should have hope, why we live a life full of hope. And he culminates this argument that he has that we should live a life full of hope, not in worry, not in fear, not in despair, not in anger at the situation, but we should live a life full of hope for that future glory. He culminates it here in verse 31. Paul says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Just pause on that for a second. If God is for us, who can be against us? A virus? A mask? A vaccine? Whatever, you pick your thing. Al-Qaeda? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, with him, graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who's ju who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one, indeed, who, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Paul asks, shall tribulation? Distress? Persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, the sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No! In all these things, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. If God sent his son Jesus to the cross for us, do we really need to worry about anything else? Do we have to worry about the, what direction the United States is in? Do we have to worry about those things? God loved us so much, he sent his son, Jesus, for the forgiveness of sin. Paul says, no, we are more than conquerors. I'd like to pause here for just a second. Again, Paul is illustrating this dichotomy throughout this entire chapter. There are those here this morning that are here full of hope because of the work and person of Jesus Christ and the fact that they believe in that. Others of you are here this morning and you feel kind of hopeless. The situation you're in, you just wonder, is there an answer? You're without hope. You're in that category. Where are you this morning? Would you please bow your heads and close your eyes? Bow your heads, close your eyes. 
Would you search your heart right now? Do you know the love of Christ this morning? Do you know the love of Christ this morning? Are you saved by faith in Jesus Christ? If you are, would you please spend the next few moments praying for those who don't know Jesus who are here today? If you're saved, would you please pray for those who don't know Jesus who are here today? For those of you who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, if you've never received him as your Lord and Savior, maybe, you're, again, you're someone who's gone to church or you've tried to find salvation in the things that you do, again, every head's bowed right now. Will you consider what the Bible says this morning? The Bible says all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. If you're searching your heart, you know this to be true, don't you? The Bible teaches us that sin carries a penalty of death, but God, but God offers you the free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus, the author of our hope. Later in Romans, Paul says this in chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. God sent his Son, who, know, who knew no sin, for your salvation. If you desire right now to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, in the stillness of this moment, right there where you're sitting, acknowledge your sinfulness. Acknowledge your need for a Savior. If you're unsure about where you stand before God, about the category that you're in, you can pray this. You can pray, God, I know I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again for the forgiveness of my sin. And I'm trusting in who Jesus is and what he did for me. With heads still bowed, if you prayed that prayer, would you raise your hand right now? Thank you. Father, we love you so much. We thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for our sins, to go from a heavenly throne to a manger and a stable for us, for me. God, we thank you for how much... You love us. We thank you for the work of Jesus Christ. We thank you that we can live in great hope for the security of our salvation. We thank you that the future glory we can't even imagine, that this suffering today can't even be measured. God, thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray.
If you made a decision this morning to place your faith in Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to come up here. We'll have some elders up here who would love to talk with you and kind of give you some direction um, from here. I'd like to finish with Romans 8, 38 and 39 this morning. Paul says, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, that's a word for demons, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Neither death nor life, not the spiritual world, not angels, not demons, not anything in your past, or anything in your future, not governments, nothing in this chaotic world, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, how shall we then live? Live full of hope in the knowledge that nothing separates you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Before we're dismissed in the back, uh, the ushers are there. It's the Sunday in which we take the elder fund. That's a benevolence, benevolence fund we use to help those who are in need. If you feel led to give to that, they, um, they're standing at the doors. And then finally, Jake has to clear the chairs out of the auditorium today. There he is right there. Um, he's looking at you. We need help clearing those chairs. So anyone who can stay and help us do that, that would be fabulous. Thank you for being here this morning. You are dismissed.